Welcome to the Quadring Podcast for Monday, the 21st of November. First up, leftists erupt as Elon Musk unbans Donald Trump, Project Veritas, Andrew Tate, and more. I'm going to have probably seven videos today, so if you haven't yet, I hope that I can earn your subscription. There's a button right down below. I'm going to jump right into it. Elon Musk has basically unbanned everybody, <clears throat> with, the except, with one glaring exception. Uh, just to recap it, okay, just to recap it, Donald Trump, Andrew Tate, Project Veritas, Conceptual James, um, um, uh, I think James O'Keefe, maybe not yet, but I would expect very soon. I mean, the, the left is absolutely losing their ever-loving minds over this. I mean, you can see with the, with the Trump unban, he, he has said yesterday, he stated yesterday that uh, he doesn't see any, quote, reason to return to Twitter. I would say he has almost 90 million reasons to return to Twitter, but let's get into some of this. First of all, let's take a look at a bit of a bit of gloriousness here. Project Veritas returned already had a million followers. That was this morning or this morning was conceptual. James, he came back. He's got 326,000 followers already. And again, he came back like, uh, you know, in the last 20 minutes. Uh, also, Again, Project Veritas putting out a video, which we're going to check out. Andrew Tate, he's at nearly 2 million followers after just a few days. Of course, Trump trumping them all at something like 87 and a half million followers. Now, if you want to like laugh about something, you can always look at like the social blade for this stuff. Uh, because I think that... <clears throat> That that the social blade for you know Trump, for example, is pretty hilarious, uh, and and the thing is like you wonder if the guy still has some staying power. Well, he was restored with eight eighty six million one hundred sixty five thousand followers. Monday already he's gained, and now I would say that this original number eighty six million, okay, is his original number. I would assume he was when he was banned. It was eighty seven six sixty six, and he he was returned to eighty six one sixty five. The difference is probably closed accounts or people that left when Trump got banned. Remember, like Truth Social, he has something like five million followers on Truth Social, and he tweeted this out. He's got four point six one million followers on Truth Social. He even I I'm doing all right on Truth Social. I got three point five thousand followers and. Um, again, you all know I use basically every social media I can because you know every I'm fighting suppression at every turn. And, and by the way, I will say this, and I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't care if Elon even unbans Alex, for example. Uh, I still think you support whatever new tech that you like. And even if you're a casual user, you should at least pick one. So it's like, oh, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Gab, or I'm on Truth, or I'm on Getter, or whatever, right? Or I'm on YouTube, but I also use Rumble, or BitChute, or Odyssey. Pick one other experience to support, at least passively, um, you know, here and there. Check it out. It's always interesting to see how other sites work with their algorithm, too. You discover a lot of really interesting, really good content uh, that it's, it's like other websites generally, seemingly, don't want you to see or they bury in their algorithm that's why it's like you know i go to odyssey and i'm like wow this experience is very different than youtube or rumble for example um but he tweeted this out make america great again uh 
for those of you that don't know, Trump does have an exclusivity contract with Truth Social, meaning he has to post here first. As far as I understand the, the contract, that doesn't mean he only can post here. It's just that he has to post, he has to post here first and then he has to wait six hours. So when he posted this yesterday, make America great again, I was like, that's going to be the post he puts on Twitter. Uh, but he has not posted anything on Twitter. And I think expertly so. And th at this point, you look at his social blade, just people talking about it. Here's 87.5, oh, 87.5 million. And it's just going up and up and up. Uh, 87.5, what is he here? Oh, 87.5. So he gained he gained a quarter million more followers today. If he starts using it, he'll be, gain, he'll be over 100 million by probably the end of the year. Uh, that's if he starts using it. Now, Fox News reports that on Saturday, he basically said, well, he's got no reason to go to uh, back to truth, or I'm sorry, to uh, Twitter because, well, he's got stock in, he owns a certain part of True Social. And what people also don't know, this thing might be holding him back. So this is quoted in the article. Trump has close to 5 million followers on the right-wing friendly platform whose shareholders were set to vote Tuesday, that's tomorrow, on a merger with a blank check acquisition that has penned a deal to take the company public for $1.3 billion. So he may, he may actually not be able to really think about Twitter until that deal is done. And people say he has a contract 18 months. He can't do much until July 2023. I think Elon knew this, but the thing is, he could put, he could put, um, you know, hey, follow me. I've taught, I've taught, said this a bazillion times. If he did nothing, if I was a, a fellow shareholder at Truth Social, I would want Trump using Twitter. I would want him to use Twitter, take a screenshot of his of his uh, post to, um, of his post on Truth, post it on Twitter, and say, you saw this six hours late. Make sure you follow me on truth and give a link back to his truth. He could legitimately, I believe very strongly that he could bring, you know, of his 87 million followers, I bet you he could bring another 5 million over. And what does that do to the valuation of a company that's gone public, right? Like if I own true social, I'm like, bro, if you could bring, now the reality is, if, if he were to get, honestly, 1% to 2% of this, that would be a realistic number. So if he brought 8 to 10 million new users over to True Social, that would be an entire game changer. That would be like, that would probably triple their valuation. Maybe maybe more, actually. Uh, because I don't know how many really active users he has. You know, in terms of people, in terms of his account, the biggest, you know, truths he gets are like fifty to 75,000 likes. So, I mean, I think a lot of people have spiritually followed him here. It's like I have 100,000 followers on Rumble and my, video, my videos very rarely break more than 1,000 views. Um, a lot of spiritual followers there. BitChute's different. People still use BitChute. Odyssey's a little different. I actually do a little better on both of those platforms. So, like, I don't know. If he brought 5 million people and he was started to get, like, 2, 3, 4, 5 million likes on his, on his truths... That's a big money. That's big money. And then if you look at Cobra Tate, for example, this is a guy that the left absolutely hates. Like 
with a fiery, white-hot passion. Uh, by the way, Ethan Klein's still banned. This is a guy that gets unbanned. 189,000, 700,000 on Saturday, 600,000 on Sunday, 200,000 today. He's at 1.757 million. He just gained another 20,000 in front of my face. Uh, you know, that's a guy. Uh, Conceptual James. You know, our Project Veritas. Let's see what they have to say. Hello, everyone. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas here. Project Veritas officially reinstated back on Twitter 647 days after the Project Veritas Twitter account was wrongly disabled because we filmed a lamp post outside of Facebook executive's house. Elon Musk getting us back on Twitter. The corrupt Twitter bird upside down no longer. And not only are we back, we're coming back with a vengeance. One week from Tuesday, we are going to launch on Twitter, on the Project Veritas Twitter page exclusively, a new federal whistleblower showing how... And they're so worried. And what are they worried about? It's that he has a voice. It's that Andrew Tate has a voice. It's that um, James O'Keefe or Project Veritas, they have a voice. Um, you say like Elon dunking on Trent Reznor. It turns out that Trent Nine Inch Nails Reznor is actually a crybaby. I mean... I still believe it would be absolutely unequivocally foolish for Donald Trump not to tweet and tweet soon. Uh, if he waits too long, I'm not sure. I, I get that he wants to wait because people keep checking his truth. Now, if I could actually, if there was some way to track truth social followings, um, you know, I think that would be more interesting. But uh, you have all these people coming out. Even the ADL, I've got, I've got a separate video on that because that one was absolutely hilarious. Civil rights leaders swiftly condemned Twitter's owner Elon Musk's decision to lift former president's ban from the platform. If Elon Musk Twitter's fear, you can incite an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Oh, yeah. What about all those tweets about going out and, and uh, Summer of Loving or Maxine Waters telling people to go out there and fight in the streets or uh, uh, AOC doing similar things? Like, let him seethe. I hope that that he understands. I hope that Elon understands that. And I think he does. It's a private company now. He can do as he wishes. He could push through monetization at any time when he wants. And this is telling you that in journalists, why are journalists mad about it? Well, because they're being replaced by citizen journalists. This is going to be one heck of a wild week. Uh, I, I hope that you tune in and, and stay on board because there's going to be so much to report. And next up today, Woke Disney Collapse, CEO fired, Disney Plus posts massive losses and layoffs coming. Bob Iger returns. What? You mean publicly feuding with the governor about uh, what about uh, siding on the side of teachers who want to uh, teach young kids things that they shouldn't be talking about in the classroom? You mean that had a negative effect on Disney's business? What? That's right. Uh, Bob Chappick, who actually was, I would say, less woke than the previous CEO, Bob Iger, has taken the fall, fired. The CEO of Disney has been fired. This is after a year-long stock plummet, plummeting ticket attendance, Disney Plus leveling off, and customer sentiment across the board being extremely negative. Here's the thing, though. Bob Chappick is just the fall guy. The reason all these Marvel movies are underperforming, which is also, you know, why that Disney stock is going down, 
is not Bob Chappick's fault. This was all Bob Iger. And who'd they bring in to replace and fix everything? Well, of course you bring in Bob Iger, the guy, the guy, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, this is what I guess you'd commonly refer to as job security. Bob Iger returns as Disney CEO, replacing Bob Chappick after brief tumultuous tenure. Bob Iger is back in a shocking late Sunday announcement, said it had reappointed Bob Iger as chief executive immediately after Iger's hand-picked ex- uh, successor, Bob Chappick, came under fire for his management of the entertainment giant. Quote, It is with an incredible sense of gratitude and humility, and I must admit a bit of amazement that I write this to you this evening that I'm returning to the Walt Disney Company as CEO. Bob Iger wrote to employees in an email, which was obtained by CNBC. Shares of Disney, a Dow component, were up about 6% in midday trading. The dramatic upheaval comes 11 months after Iger left Disney the day and days after Chappix said he planned to cut costs at the company, which had been burdened by swelling costs at its streaming service Disney+. Plus. Earlier this month, the company's earnings vastly underperformed Wall Street's expectations. Even its theme park business, which reported a surge in revenue, delivered less than what analysts had projected. If only there was some explanation for this. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah. He went to war with half the country when he let when Disney stuck its uh, mousy face into the culture war when they had the um, uh, the uh, classroom legislature in Florida. Essentially, Bob Chappick got bullied by his woke employees to stick his stick his nose into that and say, oh, no, we support teachers, uh, you know, talking about bedroom stuff with third graders that's what and and this is a children's this is a company that is a theme park for children okay that's what bob chapik initially bob chapik did the right thing by doing nothing and then he got pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed by 17 of its hundred thousand employees and he crumbled and then half the country said i don't really want to bring my kids there anymore hey how much is it to go to disney for the day a hundred dollars 150 dollars a head nah I'd rather I'd rather like spend my money, um, you know, taking my kids somewhere that doesn't support teachers, um, you know, taking the parents' position in the classroom. Iger's return also comes as legacy media companies contend with rapidly shifting landscape, ad dollars dry up, and consumers increasingly cut off their cable subscriptions in favor of streaming. Iger will help the company's board develop a new successor. Disney said in a release. Chappick, who was named CEO in February 2020, succeeding Iger, who had previously said he wouldn't return to the role, shares of Disney had fallen 41% this year as of Friday's close and hit a 52-week low November 9th. Iger had signed on to work as CEO for two years. Disney had said Sunday with a mandate from the board to set a strategic direction for renewed growth and work closely with the board in development of the successor. Here's the thing. I'm not going to forget what Disney said. I'm not going to I'm not going to forget how Disney said, "Hey, we think that we should be the, the teachers should be the parents and that they should be talking about bedroom stuff with kids." I I'm not going to forget that. Are you going to forget that? I don't think a lot of people will. Chappick, whose contract as CEO was extended earlier this year, planned a hiring freeze, cost cuts and layoffs across the company, according to a memo a memo CNBC obtained earlier this month. 
The internal memo came three days after the company's poor quarterly earnings report. Iger, who held the CEO role for 15 years at Disney, had favored Chappic as a successor. The two ultimately had a falling out, and their conflict cast a shadow over the company's future. Chappic distanced himself from Iger with a series of decisions, including his new approach to streaming prices for Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+. Well, here's the thing. You know, you also had Chappic was also criticized for handling the controversy over Scarlett Johansson's, Johansson's pay. Well, I mean, what did you expect? Kramer calls for Disney CEO's firing, says the company's balance sheet uh, from heck must be fixed. I don't really care what Jim Kramer has to say. He's a psychopath. This is their stock. Down from 160 at its peak, it saw prices as low as $86. Now today, it's up mildly, five points. It's something though. The thing is, Bob Iger returning is probably because they said, hey, Bob, you said that this person was going to uh, you know, be a good leader, and he wasn't. The problem is, I don't really necessarily believe Bob Chappick. I think that Bob Chappick, I think Bob Iger dipped out when he knew you know, how the super rich people, they all seem to know when bad things are happening. Um, like, uh. Yeah, he dipped right before the world locked down. I wonder if he had some sort of insider information. I don't know. I, I don't know that for sure. It just seems like you know he picked a heck of a time to retire. The board has concluded that as Disney embarks on an increasingly complex period of industry transformation, Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through this pivotal period. We thank Bob Chappick for his service to Disney over his long career, including navigating the company through unprecedented challenges of lockdowns. The surprise change comes at a tumultuous time for Disney. This month, the company reported weaker-than-expected fourth-quarter financials, killing the momentum built up over a strong year that saw record revenue and profits in multiple divisions, including the one that includes theme parks. Disney's theme park business had recovered strongly since the lockdowns and its venues across the world, but the division continues to subsidize widening losses in the streaming video business. Oh, the division, sorry. Bob Chavik said repeatedly that he expects the streaming business to be profitable by September 2024. In the most recent quarter, though, it lost $1.5 billion, more than twice the year earlier. The company also cautioned that its profitability target would only be met if there wasn't a significant economic downturn. The first time it has added such a caveat. Disney's price, you know, Disney stock price reacted positively to the change. Well, I mean... Maybe people don't want to pay for Disney Plus because they don't really want to pay for seeing Disney movies that much anymore. I mean, the box office for Black Panther 2 was down uh, significantly in week two, not out of the line of what phase two has been down all year. However, it was down significantly more than the week one to week two transition from the original Black Panther, meaning that the word of mouth just isn't that good. And that people really weren't saying, hey, you should go see this movie. Or people weren't really going back to see it once multiple times like they had in the, in the, in the previous film. You know, Disney, I mean, I couldn't, I don't really understand how you see Chappic as anything but a fall guy. What you saw in Marvel Phase 4 was not Bob Chappic. That was Bob Iger's vision. That was Bob, Bob Iger's decisions. They make these decisions years ahead of time. Like they didn't, they didn't like think of Captain Marvel. They didn't um, do um, the Marvels 
under Bob Chappick. That was already done years ago. We know what the next like six years worth of Marvel movies are going to be. It's interesting to me to see like this is just a, I think maybe he leads them to better profits overall. But if you're thinking that this dude is like any less woke uh, than the other guy, he's actually worse. He's the guy that hired all these diversity, equity, and inclusion people. He's the guy that really ushered in the MC, MCU. He's the guy that made all these decisions. So I suspect things will get significantly worse for Disney based on this hire, but we'll have to wait and see. And next up today, Elon Musk fired all the women at Twitter and it instantly got better. Elon Musk fires exclusively women? What? I mean, I'm not saying that, but certainly photographic evidence has arisen that it appears, well, women just weren't up for the task. At least the women at Twitter. I'm sure that the women that watch my videos would not be put off at the thought of having to actually do their job. But apparently, the women of Twitter all these like uh, women that got the job probably because they were told that they were going to get free wine or some something of that matter. They all dipped. They dunked. They dodged. They dipped. And they dodged again. They didn't want to work anymore. They wanted to go home and work remote for one of the many companies currently hiring in Silicon Valley, except there's like none. This tweet went viral from uh, the wonderful Lauren Chen. <clears throat> Twitter before Elon versus Twitter after Elon. So you have Twitter here. All these women, let's see, one man, two man, three men, they're all in the back. All three men are in the back. Oh, here's one. Well, here's another one. Okay, it's about 85.15 after. <laughs> hey, shout out. <laughs> shout out. I believe there's a woman here. This is definitely a pretty sure this is a woman. And. I'm going to say that the top of this head is at least a 60% chance of woman. But everybody in this office at 1 a.m. in the morning, it appears to be 95% men. I'm not saying anything. In fact, Twitter got so angry that they, they fact-checked it. This is not a before and after of Twitter as is claimed. The before picture is a group of people who worked on the Twitter comms team first seen here. The after is a group of engineers posted by Elon Musk. Still got 340,000 likes. Uh, he certainly did fire a lot of people, and the media continues to run around like Chicken Little saying it's going to collapse, but it just isn't. By the way, if you're thinking about the holidays, it's time. Coffeebrandcoffee.com, the gift of coffee, tea, or cocoa, absolutely home run for friends, family, coworkers. We have this awesome gift box builder right on the top here that you can put together a box that comes ready, shipped, ready to gift. Beautiful, nice box. We only have, I only ordered 10,000 of these boxes and we already sold almost 2,000. So make sure you get your gift boxes built up. Promo code, the quartering will save and it supports the channel. Elon must post pictures with engineers as they leave Twitter code review at 1.30 a.m. Elon posted a picture with the engineers at Twitter San Francisco headquarters saying they were leaving after the billionaire asked some employees who had not resigned to meet with him. Quote, just leaving Twitter HQ, review, code review, the billionaire wrote in the Saturday tweet about 1.30 p.m. The media cope about this 
is hilarious. Like you're going to, I'm going to show you a few more articles. Like they keep writing these articles. Like they're literally trying to will Twitter to fail. Like they reinstate, they reinstate Trump. Everyone's like, oh my God, that's the worst thing ever. They reinstate Andrew Tate, they reinstate Project Veritas. Everything, every single thing that, that Elon does is the thing that destroyed Twitter. He's done about 15 of those things, including firing 7,000 people and nothing's changed, at least from a functionality standpoint. Responding to a user who said Twitter was more alive at 1 a.m. than it used to be during the daytime, Musk said it was the most amount of people he's ever seen in the building by far. In a series of emails sent 24 hours earlier, Musk asked to meet with anyone who actually writes software on Friday afternoon. He told him to gather on the 10th floor, 10th floor of the building where he's been working since taking over Twitter on October 27th. Employees were asked to send bullet point summary of their code over the last six months, along with up to 10 screenshots of the most salient, salient lines. His memos came after mass resignations and an ultimatum, yet Twitter continues to be doing just fine. Here's New York Times. Elon Musk's Twitter teeters on the edge after another 1,200 leave. Okay, does it though? I think uh, Twitter had all-time peak usage over the weekend. Like, all-time peak usage. I mean, is it really teetering? Some internal estimates showed that at least 1,200 full-time employees resigned on Thursday. Three people close to the company said that Twitter had 7,500 full-time employees at the end of October, which dropped to about 3,700 after mass layoffs and another 1,200 on Friday. So they're on a 2,500. The employee numbers are likely to remain fluid as the dust settles on the exits with confusion abounding over who's keeping a tally of workers and running other workplace systems. Some employees who quit said they were separating themselves from the company by disconnecting from email and logging out of the internal messaging system. Slack, or they were logged out. Slack because human resources representatives were not even available. Sure, that's probably true. A fired Twitter engineer said he would have come up with a way more clever way and devastating jokes about Elon Musk if he knew that he was getting canned. This is an article. This is an article on Business Insider. Business Insider. This is an article on a mainstream journalism site because a fired employee said he'd wished he had disparaged his boss. This is their, this is their, like, this is their big own. A fired Twitter engineer said he would have come up with a way cleverer and more devastating jokes about new owner Elon Musk if he'd known he'd been fired. One current formerly employee previously told Insider that the firing seemed to target many people with an internal Slack channel called Social Water Cooler which was around 2,000 members who had been used by the staff to chatter and criticize the company. Good. Good. Daniel Fletcher, who appeared to be a software engineer at Twitter, tweeted on November 15th, I've been fired for unspecified recent behavior in violation of unnamed company policy, i.e. hanging out in hashtag social water cooler. He had also retweeted some posts that were critical of Elon Musk's leadership, including once one by since fired Twitter engineer Benjamin Lieb, we said that Musk had no idea WTF, what the F he's talking about. On Friday, Fletcher posted a thread commemorating his time at the social media giant, as well as discussing his job and praising his colleagues. He commented on the jokes he believed led to layoffs. 
if I had known I'd been fired for participating in a 1200 RPC discussion uh, or for making fun of Elon and Slack, who knows, we were never told, then I would have come up with way more clever and devastating jokes, Fletcher said. I mean, come on, Elon, we were just horsing around. The 1200 RPC discussion refers to a tweet by Musk where he apologized for the app's super slow performance. Lieb and two other engineers said they were fired after publicly criticizing the tweet. Well, good. I mean, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of these people, I mean, look, they're going to have, what, three months to feel fine about themselves? Three months to find, to feel like they were totally in the right to just not fall in line and, and good for them. I hope they find a job where they have an employer who's going to pay them six figures and is totally fine with them uh, talking, talking junk about them behind their back on employee communications software or publicly online. I'm not sure that you're going to find many, many employees that are employers that are willing to do that. And then coming from Bloomberg, like Elon Musk is running Twitter like a failing newspaper business. You'd know. Mainstream media would know. I mean, in what, in what ways is he doing that? In media, publishers are forever caught between delivering what's best for their newsreaders and what's best for their investors. Uh, if those two things aren't the same, you know what you do? You get different investors. Perhaps you're aware of some of the more infamous case studies. Uh, the tech, you know, um, you see, oh, so the refer this usually refers to a war between new managers and the rank and file, the latter in group trying to maintain editorial quality. As new owners push staff to do more with less, a common way to downsize in media is through buyouts, typically by offering an optional severance package to higher salaried veteran talent who leave with important institutional knowledge. But what exactly is important institutional knowledge about Twitter? Nothing. I mean, you have all these articles absolutely coping and seething about, uh, you know, I'm sure there are women that work at Twitter. I'm sure there are women that work at Twitter that, uh, there are women there that are smarter than the men that sit beside them and are more and work harder. But I think the larger conversation is is funny. You could see job interview for newly unemployed Twitter employee interviewer. So why did you quit your previous job? Ex Twitter employees. I was given an ultimatum and I didn't want to work hard. Interviewer. Ooh, did you properly hand off responsibilities? Ex Twitter employee. Well. <laughs> I didn't like the CEO, so my whole team quit to try to sabotage the infrastructure of the app. Interviewer, what? You what? Why would you do that? Ex Twitter employee, we didn't like him and didn't like what he wanted us, that he wanted us in the office. Interviewer, was lunch provided at the office? Ex Twitter employee, every day, but I wanted to keep my five other full time jobs so I couldn't come to work in the office. This is a, a reference to a lot of these people that work like five hours a week for Twitter and then they have all these other gigs that they do. Interviewer, why on earth do you think I would hire you? Ex Twitter employee, because I previously made a lot of money and this is tech, right? <laughs> I mean, like. And next up, Black Panther Wakanda Forever plummets 67% in week two at the box office, way behind the original. We have week two box office numbers for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. A movie by all reasonable standards is being enjoyed by the people that wanted to see it, still holding a 95% overall audience score very very strong now with 10,000 or so votes 
I don't see that changing much. It'll probably drop a little bit, but pretty good. It's always good when people like a movie that they pay to see. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the long and short of it. You know, I think when woke movies fail, I think it's hilarious, but like also sometimes critics don't like movies, but fans do. And I think like, that's always a huge W. I don't really care if like the movie is critically acclaimed as long as it does well in the theater. I had very little interest in seeing Black Panther Wakanda forever because it didn't have, I don't know, Black Panther in it. Also, I was told by several very smart social media individuals that I wasn't allowed to pay money to go see it. And so I saved my money and I went to a craft fair instead and I got some cute Christmas decorations. But this is bad news for Marvel. Now, you saw, you saw the first week, very big numbers, very big numbers, impressive numbers. In fact, Black Panther 2 remains the number one uh, movie at the box office right now. And I think that that's, of course, expected given that there's like literally nothing else in the movies to see. There's She's Sad, whatever that is. I mean, they picked this weekend strategically because they knew there would be no real competition for almost a month. Black Panther Wakanda kind of Forever rules with 67.3 million. She said flops. Now I've talked about how big of a, uh, how much money this movie actually needs to break even. Hey, it's great. It's Christmas gift time. So, uh, just bringing you some great ideas. Uh, so, you know, on, on its face, it looks pretty good. You know, Disney comic book sequel, Black Panther, Wakanda forever extended its reign of the domestic box office in its second weekend of release. The 30th feature film installment in the MCU collected 67.3 million between Friday and Sunday. But adult audiences continue to reject films pitched directly at them. Steering clear of Universal, she said, a look at a pair of New York Times journalists who brought out the uh, Harvey case. Wakanda Forever, which opened to $181 million and has generated $288 million in North America and $546 million globally to date, the film's 63% drop was steeper than expected. Industry sources had expected a sophomore weekend of more than 70 million. Now that's not that big of a difference. I mean, maybe to the bean counters, I mean, it's 3 million bucks to any one of us. That's a lot of money, but I mean, you're not, it's not like you miss your projection massively, but this week we have Thanksgiving and black Friday and people are thinking about Christmas. Are they going to go to the movies as much? Well, you know, people are off work, especially Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, if, if you're not out shopping, you have the movies. I remember when I was a kid, we definitely went to the movies on that day a lot. And same on Christmas. Is it Christmas Day or New Year's Day? New Year's Day, I think. But that's actually a pretty big flop. And by comparison, the original Black Panther, which ignited to a blockbuster, uh, it, which opened to a blockbuster 202 million in 2018, declined by only 44%. That's a massive drop. That's 20 points. In its second weekend with 111 million, but it registered as a especially remarkable second weekend business. Only six movies in history, four of which were Marvel, have ever generated at least $100 million in their second weekends. More recently, Marvel entities like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and Spider-Man No Way Home each fell back to Earth by dropping roughly 67% after massive debuts. I'm not sure that it's going to make a lot of money. If it's at 546 million now, by conservative estimates, it still needs another 200 million to break even. 200 million to break even. Not to make a bunch of money, but to break even. 
And if you actually break it down film by film, this is really a phase four problem in general. Now, again, I don't think you could, like categorically, this movie's not a flop. A flop would be like two, 300 million, you know, on a, on a seven, $800 million budget, you know? But it's not going to make much money, just like nothing in phase four really did except for Doctor Strange. And arguably, that sequel was far worse than the original. After Black Panther Wakanda's Forever $181 million opening led to the $209 million total domestic last weekend, the fourth best overall weekend of the year and fifth best since the start of the lockdowns, the numbers fell back down to earth this weekend. The total box office came to just $100 million, making it the first time since July that there were two nine-digit weekends in a row, with Wakanda Forever leading the way at $67.3 million, down 63% from last weekend. While that isn't a bad number for Wakanda Forever, the hopes that the film would hold markedly better than recent MCU films were in vain. All in all, it looks to play close to this year's earlier franchise installments of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which had a 67% drop in the second weekend with a multiplier of 2.2. Thor Love and Thunder, nearly 70% at 68%, second week drop in a multiplier of 2.4. And the first back uh, the, when compared to the first back Black Panther, which was just forty five percent. Of course, the box office as whole will continue to be sluggish until Avatar: The Way of the Water opens on December sixteenth. I don't even know. I don't even think. Do you care about that movie? I feel like when that when Avatar first came out, it was like a thing to see because nobody had ever seen anything like that before, and it was like all the special effects and people are talking about it. Now special effects have come so far, like, I just find myself being like, who cares? I mean, are you invested in the Avatar story? Maybe there is. It'd be awfully idiotic of me to underestimate fandoms. But it's been 10 years. Are people who saw Avatar 10, 15 years ago like, oh my God, finally, the sequel. Even if the film will fall considerably short of its predecessor, the 288 million 10-day total is the year's third best and should pull ahead of Multiverse of Madness, which had 293 million 10-day total over the next week, getting a boost from the Thanksgiving holiday and its weekend. It will likely go on to become the year's second-highest-grossing film, topping Multiverse's $411 million total and finishing up just behind Top Gun Maverick and potentially Avatar 2. The worldwide total is now at $546 million, and holdover markets, it dropped to 49%, compared to 56% drops in earlier MCU total. So... Not even Black Panther, I don't think, is igniting new fans to show up for Marvel. It's just the same people. The same people that like Marvel movies. Now, uh, this coming up weekend, it could actually be huge, right? Because if you want to go to the movies, there's literally nothing out. I mean, what what is it competing against? You know? Nobody wants to see the Glass Onion. That movie stinks. Um Nanny, I don't know. All the beauty. I mean, the sun, white noise. I mean, maybe, maybe like I, I, a lot of these. I mean, some of these rate really good. Glass Onion um, rated very, very good with critics. But uh, I'm hearing that the movie kind of stunk. That's the follow up to um, uh, whatever that other the other movie was. Uh, uh, Knives Out. Knives Out was, I think, overrated. Some people really loved it, though. So maybe I just didn't get it. You know, maybe I didn't understand it. Nanny is like a horror mystery film. These never really do great in uh, in the movie theaters. So, I mean, what is this? I mean, Poker Face, this film got a 6% and a 30% from that. So, like, people are going to go see that? No, people aren't going to see that. 
So they're going to go see Wakanda if they haven't, because they feel like, man, might as well see something. Um, oh, this would probably be a good one. I'd like to see this. Most guys are losers. Yeah, that sounds like a great movie. I'm totally in. Mia Sorvino. Yes, please. Slay Queen. Uh, so it'll be interesting. You know, I think that there still is a lot of fatigue, like Marvel fatigue. You know, I'm, I'm certainly suffering it from it myself. You know, Blade, I thought would have been something cool to see, but not with the direction that they went, not with, uh, you know, making it PG and all this kind of stuff and just applying the Marvel equation to it. I wasn't really excited for that. So I don't really know. There's not much that I can't wait for it to come out on, on streaming for these days. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever is just another one of those movies to me. And next up today, top 10 epic meltdowns to Elon Musk bringing Donald Trump back to Twitter. We've got some of, if not the best, salt from the weekend, mostly around the reinstatement of Donald Trump, but also from some interesting individuals like Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182, who uh, you know, is more concerned with charging his fans uh, $700 for nosebleed seats uh, than anything else, I suppose, right now. But he's very, very upset about Trump being back on Twitter, apparently. Uh, and there's so much more going on. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been uh, supporting the channel. I know this week is kind of a wild week because uh, people are traveling and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I want to make sure uh, I want to tell everyone, hey, travel safe this week. And um, and I wish you all the best. The salt must flow and therefore we must collect it we must enjoy it so of course i started a bit of a thread on uh, mining the salt that night saturday night on a historic live stream from me uh i think we had 10 11 000 people watching i know that's not like tim pool numbers but that's massive for me on a saturday night too so i'm really glad everyone was there we've got memes coming in you know like elon with his reinstated twitter account donald trump looking at it um, you know, McDonald's, you know, now hiring ex Twitter employees, all positions. Uh, but, but some of the real salt comes from leftists, leftist rage over Musk reinstating Trump's account on Twitter. This is BS. Leftist raged Saturday evening on Twitter after the CEO, Elon Musk reinstated former president Trump's Twitter, despite Trump repeatedly saying he will not use the platform again. Now, again, I now that I'm more educated on some of his business dealings with True Social, he may not, at least for a little while. I mean, of course he will, but it may be a little longer than we expected. The announcement from Musk comes after more than 15 million people voted in a non-scientific poll that he posted to his Twitter account asking if Trump should be reinstated. The results of the poll showed that 51.8% of the people said yes, while 48.2% said no. Now, of course, we knew that... Um, I talked about it on this channel. Uh, we talked about it on the live stream. You know, all of my wonderful, intelligent uh, viewers knew that this was a honeypot to find out bots. And essentially, Elon admitted as much. But let's talk about, um, you know, Jonathan Greenblatt, who uh, runs the ADL, which maybe there was a time that they, that they did some good things, but... All I can see now is them basically bullying and trying to extort people like uh, Twitter um, for money and donations when they allow somebody on that they don't like. Some, some of that nature. Like John Greenplatt, for Elon to allow Donald Trump back on Twitter ostensibly after a brief poll, shows he's not even remotely serious about safeguarding the platform from hate, harassment, and misinformation. 
As we've said before, Trump used Twitter to foment intolerance, use issued threats and incite the attack against the American government. I disagree with literally all of that. And uh, also almost all of that is available from just about every other user on Twitter. Moreover, you should no indication that he would do anything different if given the opportunity when at ADL and other stop hate profit leaders met with Elon on 11-1 committed not to replatform anyone regardless of stature unless he installed a transparent, clear process that took into consideration the views of society. Um, yeah. Isn't that what a poll would be? Isn't, isn't that a poll? Like, isn't that, isn't that a, a poll? I, 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 I thought. Uh, and he got absolutely ratioed into oblivion. Just ratioed into oblivion. Um, he obviously went on to a couple other, to uh, cry bully. He's essentially a cry bully. Um, but you see, where is this here? Now, for Elon Musk, oh, he didn't. It wasn't that bad of a ratio. He got 132,000 likes. Oh, these are all people that, that are just salty that he was allowed back on, I'm guessing. That's what I'm going to guess. You know, you see this one. Elon's decisions over the last month have been erratic and alarming. 9,500 comments to 4,500 likes. So these are people just coping. Frank Figaluzzi of MSNBC, the Russian bots have spoken. I'm sure that uh, that uh, had had uh, the nose one, you wouldn't have said anything about bots. At Huffington Post, Trump was banished from Twitter, not because of cancel culture, but because he attempted a coup using Twitter as a tool. I don't agree with that. I don't I don't I don't buy that. Eric Weinstein coping. This is such BS. I'm sorry, but you lost me here. Are all major decisions going to be Twitter polls? Wow. A lot of hot take from the really hot takes from the um, popular vote crowd, isn't there? A lot of these uh, popular vote, you know, they didn't say anything about the popular vote in midterms either. Uh, ever faced the voice of the people as a mob? Is a mob good? Come on. You wanted to reinstate him, so you did. I guess uh, wine is part of his last name. So NAACP and Elon Musk Twitter sphere, you can incite an insurrection, which led to the deaths of multiple people. What about the summer of love? What about that? Any advertiser still funding Twitter should immediately pause all advertising. If Elon continues to run Twitter like this, using garbage polls that don't represent the American people and the needs of our democracy, God help us all. Literally what? He belongs in prison, not Twitter. This is BS. I mean, are you, like, are you kidding me? Of course, you had great takes like David Levitt, uh, who remember he, how he bullied that Twitter or uh, that Target employee, uh, Tory. How many Americans will die because Elon Musk brought real Donald Trump back to Twitter? He's back and every American who dies because of it is Elon's fault. Rob Reiner. Elon Musk is letting a man who led an insurrection to overthrow the government back on the platform, letting the lies and disinformation continue to poison American bloodstream. Yeah, he would rather you just keep watching CNN. Derek Johnson of the NAACP, any advertiser still funding Twitter should immediately pause advertising. Why? Do you know why? It's like none of these people have any idea why people advertise. Uh, people advertise to sell products to make money. 
Um, and right now, Twitter is literally the place to be. Will it be that in six months? Well, I can't predict that. But I can say that it's awfully interesting. It's awfully interesting just seeing the reaction of everybody here and seeing how like, you know, that that they're, they're just absolutely melting down uh, uh, over this. There it is. He paid $44 billion to, to, and destroyed Twitter and reinstated Trump. Com commented liberal writer Julia Loft. And here's a Blink-182 singer, Tom DeLonge, writing, Elon is a trailblazer holding massive insecurities. His desire is to be funny. He's in, yeah, he's <clears throat> holding massive insecurities. His desire to be funny and cool is loud. He's seemingly most moved by literally people just liking him. Yes, yeah, as a guy... That, uh, I mean, do we need to look at any of the lyrics? How about all the money you built off people for your UFO project? I mean, do we want to do we want to do that? It makes me want to vomit and quit Twitter. Liz Cheney, with Trump back on Twitter, it's a good time to watch the initial hearings. Bette Midler, what are you waiting for? This ale is going to give that lying sack of S another crack at the brass ring. Vote no to reinstate him on Twitter. I, I mean... To me, it's pretty simple. You just don't, you just don't watch. You know, you don't, you don't consume. I mean, his his truth social followings are going up. You see, you know, he's posting articles, all this stuff. He's not talking about Twitter at all. He, he posts these. You know, I thought he was maybe going to return to Twitter, but I don't think he's going to for a while. Um, the longer he waits. The less likely, I mean, he's going to come back, but I thought for sure it would be today. Looks like I'm wrong. So if really he never comes back, then what are these people even upset about? I guess we'll not, I mean, life in general. And next up, Twitter getting banned by Apple Store. Elon Musk drives head of App Store off Twitter. Epic battle. Could there be a clash of the titans coming or is it just one woke employee leaving the platform and not really speaking for the entire company the media isn't sure but they're going to pounce on literally any possibility any possible negative story about elon musk that they possibly can but there is some concern in the apple community that there may be a clash with a clash with the titans coming up here between elon musk and apple as the Head of the App Store has left Twitter. Uh, some people pointed out that the Apple account had scrubbed their history, but after some brief research, I don't think they ever tweeted historically. I don't think they ever really used the platform, which seems odd to me. I'm actually shocked by that. Maybe they scrubbed it a while ago, but for the past 30 days, I don't see any tweet history. Tech Titans clashing Apple's App Store. Head leaves Twitter as Elon Musk's platform could face epic battle with Google and Apple over content moderation and Twitter blue fees. See, the thing that we've talked about, this is like a two-fold uh, battle. First, the fees. Essentially, everything on the internet goes through Apple and Android Play Stores, most of it. And all transactions that go through those stores pay a 30% fee. That's on top of what we pay. So they're taking a 30% rip of everything. Essentially, as Elon put it, it's a 30% tax on the internet um, that we pay to Google and Android. It's absurd. This is why the Tesla phone needs to be a thing. This is why, you know, other alternatives need to be a thing than just Google and iPhone. Uh, I mean, 
I think we've all got all the phones have all caught up, right? Give us some different providers that uh, don't have a monopoly on things. We saw originally how powerful these gateways can be for millions of users. For example, uh, when Parler was getting very, very popular, millions of users pouring in, I still, I was on Parler for like, I mean, Parler was active for like a week and I had more followers then than I still do now on Twitter. By the way, if you don't follow me on Twitter, just follow me at The Quartering. You probably have to type it in, twitter.com slash The Quartering because a stupid site search suggestion uh, shadow ban still exists. But uh, they, Apple, I believe, was the first to remove them from the Play Store. What that means is no users can't get updates for the app anymore. They can't, new users can't find the app. It's a huge mess. Um, so the head of Apple Store deactivated his account on Twitter amid the possibility of tension between Elon Musk's own platform and the two companies that are the internet's main gatekeepers, Apple and Google. Phil Schiller, who also leads events for Apple, has been active on Twitter since 2008 and had over 200,000 followers. Daily Mail reached out to Apple for comment on Schiller's departure. Twitter still plans to relaunch its paid subscription service, Twitter Blue, at a cost of $8 a month, November 29th. Is that Black Friday? Coincidentally? Probably not a coincidence. Since most people access Twitter on iPhones <clears throat> or Android devices, this means that Apple and Google stand to profit from Musk's revamped subscription service uh, when it takes off. Both tech companies take a cut of subscriptions purchased on their platforms. For Apple, it's 30%. Oh, and Google, it's 15%. So... Apple is double what everyone else has. Um, those fees amount to, chump amount to chump change for Google and Apple, but they could become the problem for Musk. As he slashes costs, costs relentlessly by laying off more than half of the company's workers, just a few days ago, Musk tweeted the App Store fees are obviously too high due to the iOS Android duopoly, and previously he's labeled them attacks on the internet. <clears throat> okay, so I, I properly remembered that. Here's the other thing. Maybe that's why he is so interested in uh, the app's performance on Android. Did you notice that he'd been sparring with, um, you know, the Android developers at the company, saying like, "Hey, what have what have you done to make Twitter on Android better? Because it's extremely slow and this and that and the other thing." Like, it's possible that that's related. However, the bigger problem that sparks the clash between these companies is likely to be content moderation. In recent weeks, users have said they've seen a dramatic increase in anti-Semitic tweets, as well as more scams on Twitter. Maybe. Feels anecdotal, though. I can't say I've seen an increase in either. Now, maybe, obviously, my viewers aren't racist, or they're not spammer, scammers, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. According to Bloomberg, ooh, I wonder if they're going to be unbiased. Mark Gurman, Twitter has fired many contractors who worked on policing the deluge of tweets for misinformation and hate speech under the site's rules and executive overseeing the areas has also been quit or laid off. If a war of words erupts between Musk and Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, also known as Tim Apple, for example, Apple could remove Twitter from the App Store. However, Musk could also direct Twitter users to sign up for Blue via the web, bypassing Google Play and the App Store entirely. Actually, that, that'd be a pro move, wouldn't it? Make it only available from the web version. Now, I wonder, you could still sign up on your phone then. That'd be, that would be actually be a genius play. 
Because yeah, not everyone has a desktop or a laptop, but you can still use a regular browser on your on your um, mobile phones. So you log into Twitter for desktop, sign up if you want it. That could take a big chunk, take a big bite out of the crime. During a recent interview with CBS Mornings, Cook said the following when asked about Twitter under Musk. They say they're doing a, going to continue to moderate, so I count on them to do that because I don't think anyone really wants hate speech on their platform. Even so, Apple has not hesitated to remove apps that violate rules around their content. In the case of Parler, the social media app became popular with the right. The California-based firm removed it in the wake of the bad behavior at the Capitol. Apple reinstated Parler three months later after the app made its moderation policies more stringent and prohibited some of the posts for the Apple version. For its part, Google has removed malicious loan apps that originated in Kenya and Nigeria, as well as taken down multiple apps tied to the Iranian regime. Musk has faced a firestorm of criticism over the platform uh, after laying off more than half of the 7,000 employees it had before his buyout. I just don't see, like, okay, first of all, uh, iPhone users out there, um, I would think the uh, likelihood of Twitter being removed from the iTunes store in the immediate future is low. I think that Elon Musk is 110% incentivized to leave. He has to moderate the stuff that would get him removed off the, off the, off the platforms. Like, it's not an option. Um, yeah, he unbanned Trump. But if, Trump, if Trump's first tweet is, you know, more elections, he's going to get banned again. And the tweet will get removed. Like, I think he unsuspended a lot of people. By the way, shout out brought back Savannah Hernandez today, too. It's like he's watching when people are like, hey, unban this person. It's actually working. Uh, Savannah Hernandez came back. Um, uh, PV. I don't know if James uh, O'Keefe's personal account's back or not, but Andrew Tate. All these people are back. But I, don't, I, have, I have not seen any real indication that they can just break Twitter terms of service like at will. There's no indication that, I mean, the media is saying that, but they're not providing any real reason. If you look at the Apple account, it has 8.7 million followers, but it does have zero tweets. And I looked at their social blade and a lot of people follow them, but at least from July of 18, they've never followed anybody and never tweeted a single thing, which is kind of funny to me. Although in October, 2022, randomly, they liked some things. That's odd. Do they have likes? They do. And oh, they use it to like and retweet stuff. Okay, so they shared Apple re so they they have used it 3 times ever to retweet things. That's so weird. You have a 9 million followers and you never use so they didn't use it under Jack Dorsey either. The only activity they have goes back to August 19th and that's it. So I don't know if they if they scrubbed everything you know a long long time ago it seems unlikely uh, so they never used it anyway so it'll be interesting to see if there's a, a war brewing between the two I would certainly expect that to be the case but I don't expect uh, iTunes sort to remove it unless Elon starts letting you know anything and everything go through which I just haven't seen have you seen it I haven't it'll be interesting to see and um, of course I'll be reporting on this. There isn't a soul on YouTube who's more on top of this than me. And last up today, Elon Musk taunts dangerous foe in latest Twitter spat. Well, I hope the best for Elon in this uh, scenario as he goes to battle with <clears throat> the classic 
uh, cry bullies of the internet, including one powerful enemy. It's it's uh, it's an interesting kind of case study when you look at the ADL, for example, or mainstream media, or now Apple. I don't really understand what these agencies like the ADL actually do. Maybe that's because they don't represent me, I guess. And <clears throat> I don't know if they're actually doing good things out. And I'm like, not, I'm like le legitimately, all I ever see them doing is whining on the internet about mean words and then getting huge donations from people. That's what I see. I don't know if they're out on the streets actually helping the Jewish community. Maybe they are. I legitimately don't know. I'm not a part of that community. I'm just saying as an outsider, that's what I see. I see them whining on the internet about mean words and then getting huge checks from people. Um, <clears throat> maybe they do more than that. I, I legitimately don't know. But Elon is definitely treading some interesting ground here. But I thought it was a particularly interesting... See, I already knew this. I knew this because I was in advertising. And I said, the ADL can kick and scream all they want. But if people are making money on Twitter, they will continue to spend money on Twitter. Now, maybe <clears throat> Volkswagen takes a pause or you know, one of these other companies, they pause for a little bit. Um, but ultimately... They're going to spend their money on Twitter. And here's proof of it. Here's Hank Green. Uh, you, may, you may recognize him from, the, you know, from Mattering 10 years ago. But he wrote yesterday, talked to an ad executive off the record this week. And they basically said, quote, yeah, advertisers are just going to keep buying from Twitter. They don't actually care. They're going to make a little noise, but it will have very little effect on Twitter's revenue. Yeah, no ish. When I, when I, <clears throat> when my marketing agency was my full-time job, I had not one, but two fortune 500 companies who did pause ads during the original adpocalypse. It took a lot of explaining for me to explain to them how that actually worked because they just said, well, we don't want to advertise on YouTube at all anymore. We don't want to advertise on any content network at all anymore. And I said, that's stupid. Let's figure out what YouTube channels you are converting on and let's still spend money. Um, and then they eventually did. In fact, basically everybody returned to YouTube. Now, right now is a unique time. It's a holiday week. You would think ad spending would be up, but it's not. Um, thankfully, I've been shilling the, I've been selling uh, coffee brand coffee like crazy. People are really picking up that gift box. So it's helpful. But what's, what's interesting to me is this essentially a threat from the ADL. Jonathan Greenblatt is the CEO, and uh, he writes, for Elon Musk to allow Donald Trump back on Twitter ostensibly after a brief poll, it shows he's not remotely serious about safeguarding the platform from hate, harassment, and misinformation. That doesn't actually say anything about that, but that's what Jonathan Greenblatt said. As we've said before, Trump used Twitter to foment intolerance issues, threats, and, and get people to do terrible things. Now, when the left does it, when the left says, get out there and get mad and go get yourself a new pair of sneakers for old what's-his-name, Jonathan Greenblatt doesn't say anything. It is my opinion that Jonathan Greenblatt doesn't actually care about, say, for example, the Jewish community, which is what the ADL is supposedly about, Anti-Defamation League, right? Uh, he cares about liberals and liberal things. 
leftist things. Moreover, he has shown no indication that he would do anything different if given the opportunity. When the ADL and other Stop Hate for Profit leaders met with Elon, he committed not to replatform anybody. Maybe he, maybe he realized that all of your power relies on you kicking and screaming on his platform. Now, I don't want him to be banned, but Elon sure could take a lot of power away from the ADL if, they just, if he just banned him off Twitter. You know, you find these, you find these, these cry bully agencies, ADL, the NAACP, <clears throat> there's many more now. They're, those are prominent ones. I, and I also, I just, I really find it suspect um, what they even do for the community. Maybe they do good things. I don't know. Uh, but then he writes, here's what's, here's what's an interesting, is a threat. Elon Musk's decisions over the last month have been erratic. No, they haven't. And alarming, maybe for you. But also, this decision is dangerous and a threat to American democracy. We need to ask, is it time for Twitter to go? 9,583 replies, 4,000 likes. Of course, Elon Musk comes in there and absolutely buries him with a, hey, stop defaming me. They're libelous statements, but he is. You know, Stick Sexenhammer says, if you dislike people speaking freely, you can always go use Gab or Lauren Chen. I would love to see the ADL on Gab. He got CBS to stop posting. He clearly cares about stopping misinformation. <laughs> like, <coughs> give it a rest. Uh, and by the way, you know, whether you not appreciate Trump's comments on social media, the head of the ADL threatening a private company to force them to keep the former president off Twitter is a far greater threat to American democracy than Elon Musk allowing Donald Trump back on. So many once good organizations have been corrupted with politics from the ADL to the ACLU to the SPLC. So many NGOs with positive sounding names. It, I mean, it is pretty funny to me, right? Like, all these companies sit down. I'm sorry your grift is winding down. It happens. Sour Patch Lids. I mean, do they fight any what grift? Fighting anti-Semitism. Do they fight anti-Semitism or do they just kick and scream on Twitter and demand boycotts? The power they wield, the ADL and these other agencies, are is simple. They can spin up a bunch of people to boycott stuff. That's their power. And boycotts don't really work. The less been saying that for years. You see, in a new free-for-all version of Twitter, Kanye West is back and Elon Musk trolls the ADL. Was he trolling? He was literally saying, stop defaming me. I don't, I don't really think that's a troll. Elon Musk banter with Kanye West and trolled the ADL, signaling the no bigots barred free-for-all he apparently hopes the platform will become. This is from the Times of Israel. Why do, why does, like, why do they care? Just block Kanye and move on with your life. The exchange, you know, testing, testing, see if my Twitter is unblocked. West said midday Sunday. It's not clear if Musk, who finalized the purchase of Twitter last month, okayed West's return. But about five hours later, he appeared to be welcoming West, punning on his more recent name. Don't kill what ye hate, save what ye love. Musk said in reply, except it's yay, not ye. But anyway, uh, West's next response was simply shalom, followed by a smile emoji. Probably, you know, a nod to the uh, uh, issues that he's had, some of the things he said. 
The exchange came after Musk responded to criticism from the ADL CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt, Greenblatt by saying, hey, stop defaming me. He's really like kicking a lot of bees nests. But I think he's doing exactly what we know he's going to do. It doesn't matter. These people aren't going to leave. Advertisers aren't going to leave Twitter. What they're going to have to do is what we saw in an earlier video. Uh, be talking about going after the platforms and getting Twitter deplatformed from Apple or iTunes or whatever. That's what's going to happen next. You're going to start to see these like infographics and, um, you know, oh, an independent scientist studied uh, anti-Semitism on Twitter over the past nine months and or over the past 30 days and found a 9,000% increase. As far as I know, really moderation on Twitter has not changed. I still see people getting banned or suspended for posting similar things. I assume that these people uh, that have been returned, not just Trump, but can conceptual James, Savannah Hernandez, who I'm going to be live streaming with in a few minutes. All these people probably, uh, you know, they have to live by the same rules we do now. And if they do, uh, you know, if they make another, you know, kind of remark like this, they're going to get banned again or suspended, or they'll have the tweet deleted and they'll get a timeout. But I see as anti-Semitism spikes after the Elon Musk takeover, ADL calls for Twitter ad boycott. How does it spike? You just said it spikes. You're not showing it spiked. In what way has it spiked? Are you backing any of this with data? No, you're just saying it. More and more people are going to start tuning these people out. And it's sad because there is actual hate that they could be fighting. But instead, they're more worried about making money and, and making uh, strategic alliances with one side of the political aisle. I hope you enjoyed this video. Much luck to you, Elon Musk. And we'll talk to you again real soon.